0: The story of Jamal Shikogi, which is essentially a three-week-old story uh, that has grown and grown with his apparent murder and the apparent cover-up by the Saudi government, was essentially the greatest story to be told all week long with various implications in the various places, but it didn't make into our top 10 list, or specifically we had one of many headlines we posted this week that made it into the top 15, not quite enough in the top 10 we chose not to turn that into a super story because that would have been a bit of a distraction, but we'll tell you what other stories, even though that one was a huge one, while well, other stories were large enough by your count, things that interest you to make it into the top ten for this week. This is The Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Clifton Payne from ThisIsAConversation.com, and this is The Wrap-Up Show for the week ending October the 20th, 2018. And welcome. This is The Wrap-Up Show with Jay Cleveland Payne, as previously stated, from conversation.com. This is a weekly wrap-up of news stories and reviews that you put into. Now, how does this whole show and the whole thing work? Well, at conversation.com, we post daily, all day long, uh, stories from various news outlets. Some you may like, some you may not like, but they are legitimate to the most part. We so often get some that's really silly, and you guys really jump on those. But we post news stories about various... Items some of them are top headline news, some of them not quite in the headlines, Some of them so far the headlines they're just out there and you tell us by your reaction to the stories in the social media feeds. Which ones are actually the most important? Which ones go into our top ten in the wrap-up for the week? And you follow us on social media at Twitter. TH underscore conversation is that place. On Facebook, look for This Is The Conversation. And also look for us on Instagram as well. Not as many stories posted there, but we do post the, the wrap, the top five for the day or top five midday check-ins and, of course, links to this podcast every single week. And you can check out what exactly came in the top ten all week long. And as you see the stories pop up in your feeds, Like them, love them, hate them, share them, reply to them. The more interactions the stories get, the higher they go up on the scale. As we already said, we're going to have to have some housekeeping on the uh, Jamal Shikogi uh, story because it was huge. And if we put it all together, it would have definitely dominated the week. But there were so many stories you posted and so many things that were offshoots of the main story. That's the journalist that went into the Saudi consulate and never came out that we decided to leave it as B. It, it got into the top 15. One of them got into the top 15. We'll talk about all the implications with that spot in the rounding out segment. That's a segment where we round out the top 11 through 15 stories, not quite in the top 10. We also will talk about the almost irrelevant story of the week. That story is uh, glorious because it comes in usually one of the last stories we post before we hit the cutoff to turn in to get the numbers in. And this week we got in – a not as high number as before, about 116 different distinct stories this week that were posted through. And we'll talk about the one that barely made it into the list and so far along that it doesn't really get much mention, but we'll mention it because we'll let you know just how far things are. We'll give you a countdown from how far the number one story is to that story as well. Also, there'll be shout outs, so stick around for that. And the housekeeping segment, as we say, we'll talk about some of the issues and how we crunch some numbers this week, and we'll definitely get back into the pre-talk about the Shikogi thing because we'll talk about how it happened, and then we'll talk about more of the story and have an extended version of the the roundout part coming up in a bit. But let's get to the things that are most important, the ones that you said are most important, the top 10 stories going from 10 to 1, so you can see which ones, as they grow, were the ones that you really, really, really got into for this week, the week we have ending on October the 20th, 2018. The headline for the number 10 story this week reads, Walmart Whole Foods Trader Joe's Recall Salads. We posted this uh, Thursday, October the 18th, Uh, and this one got in there pretty quickly and was big enough that you guys really cared about it to make it right into the top 10. A few lines from that actual story. We pulled it off of Business Insider, the link that we have for the story. Hundreds of pounds of salad sold at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and Walmart are being recalled because of not concerns about salmonella and listeria contamination. The food suppliers GSHE, Prime Daily Corporation, Mary's Harvest Fresh Foods, and GH Foods California Recalled a combined 2,811 pounds of ready-to-eat salads, the U.S. Department of Agriculture Food Safety and Inspection Service announced on Wednesday. Salads were sold at chains including Walmart, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, and 7-Eleven. The producers of the ready-to-eat salads learned of the potential contamination when a shared supplier recalled the corn used in the salads earlier this week. Uh, you can go to the story we have listed or just search for that term. And you can find the names, the brand names of the salads that you need to go take care of. Uh, you need to do this. You need This is something they're very serious about. When they recall things like this, um, listeria and salmonella contaminations, usually in the summer there's the big stories on people dying from these type things, getting seriously ill from these types things. But right now is the right time to check the bag salad you have and if it is, or at least it's in the series that could be contaminated, take it back, get a refund, get a fresh salad. It is worth the time and hassle to deal with that. The next headline is the nine headline for this week. It reads Hillary Clinton's security clearance withdrawn at her request amid email investigation. Posted on Friday, October the 12th, this one gets a bumper response from the 10 story of 10.09 percent. That much more higher engagement from the story previous. Let's get to a few lines from the story. We pulled the link from USA Today and it's been updated slightly since that, so you will read it from where it is right now. The State Department has withdrawn Hillary Clinton's security clearance at her request amid an ongoing review of the agency of the former Secretary of State and her private email server. A letter dated September 21st in the leadership of the Senate Judiciary Committee and published Friday by Republican Senator Chuck Grassley State that's Clinton's security clearance was withdrawn on August the 30th. It doesn't explain why Clinton requested the measure, but her clearance was pulled just days after President Donald Trump revoked the clearance of former CIA director John Brennan. Trump also publicly threatened to revoke the clearances of other Obama-era officials, though Clinton was not on that list. So, there's something that gets a bit controversial. Remember, Donald Trump did uh, revoke clearance to Brennan. That happened. There was a big backlash from that, and a lot of people at that point in time said, Take my clearance, Mr. President, because I support John Brennan and don't support you specifically. Clinton actually pulled hers or asked to have her pulled on her own. And most of this, we believe, because you can't, can't get in her head, is that she asked for this because there's still the scandal going on about what's going on with the email server and all the issues there. So she wanted to back away from that, at least try to back away from it again by getting herself out of that. Who who knows what the true intentions of this is maybe she was showing support for Brennan or showing some disdain for the president in that sense but she asked for this of course a few days later Trump basically claimed that he pulled it on his own so you can take that for whatever you want to take it as well with the opening of the NBA basketball season this story is a big deal although it won't go into fruition for a full year. We'll see what it means, but let's give you the stats on it first. The headline is, starting in summer of 2019, the NBA's G League will offer select contracts worth $125,000 to elite prospects who are at least 18 years old but not yet eligible for an NBA draft. Very long headline. We went with that one because it explained the whole thing in the headline, and this one still got plenty of bounce from people wanting to read it. 3.33% jump from the number 9 story posted on Thursday, October the 18th. A few lines from the story as we posted it. We got it straight from ESPN In a move that could challenge the NCAA's monopoly on elite talent, the NBA's G League is creating a new venture as an alternative to the one-and-done route for the best American basketball prospects, it announced Thursday. As part of the newly formed professional path starting in the summer of 2019, the G League will offer select contracts that's in quotes worth $125,000 to Leafs prospects who are at least 18 years old but not eligible for the NBA draft. G League will target recent and would-be high school graduates who otherwise would have likely spent at least one season playing college basketball, entitling them not only with a six-figure salary, but also the opportunity to benefit from NBA's infrastructure, as well as a bevy of off-court development programs geared towards facilitating and accelerating their transition to the pro game, League President Malcolm Turner told ESPN. Uh, so there you go. There is now a path, or at least in a year from now, there should be a path or months from now it should be a path for players who know they're going to college just to play basketball, to get a chance to play for professional leagues, to play for a lower league professional game. This offers the G league, formerly known as the D-League, but now sponsored by Gatorade, so that's where the G comes from. It gives them a chance to get good talent and not just the talent that didn't quite make it into the draft that are scraping by. This gives people a chance to see some of of the formerly one-and-dones that you would see in college basketball for literally one season and then go off to play big-time ball. This is where things get a bit controversial because people have been trying to do this for a while. Of course, you know that the Ball family has a stake in this as they are going to create a league for high school players or right of high school players as well. We see that's probably not going to work out for them. But this means that there'll be less talent in your March Madness bracket coming up in the next coming years. And that may mean a delusion of actual college talent. Or it could mean a strengthening of talent for players who are intending to be there for a while, who will have time to gel and make their teams sustainable, not just pull the best players out of the nation every single year and hope to reload that way. That's why it's controversial. Paying the players isn't so controversial. It's what do you do with the kids that um that aren't as good? They go to college and they go in the same route. I, I believe the plan is for the players going into the D League on their select contract still have to be Drafted in the next upcoming year, they don't just because uh, the D leagues teams are attached to other teams for developmental purposes. They can pull from those te- those teams and pull people in if they need people for you know, to fill fill rosters, just like a minor league farm system for for baseball or a practice team practice practice team for football. But I don't believe they'll be able to pull the select contract players out because they have not been drafted and their rights aren't technically owned by a team. They're owned by the G League. We'll see if these things play out when they actually put this thing into place. But it may be something exciting, but it could mean the end of the student-athlete as we know it. Of course, we've heard that a few times before. Royal Babley fever, apparently, it's contagious. It got caught pretty quickly uh, for a young set of Royals. Here's the headline for the number 7 story. Meghan Markle, Prince Harry announced pregnancy. Very quick, very simple. I'm very much into by you guys. Monday, October 15th, the day we posted it, a 3.23% jump from the eight story. We posted it, uh, the link from GMA. Of course, it was going nuts all over the world. And because it's our brand-new American princess, there you go, uh, people really got into it on this end. We'll read a couple lines from the story from Good Morning America's website. Royal Baby News, Duchess Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are expecting their first child. Kensington Palace announced the news on Twitter early Monday. Markle is about 12 weeks pregnant, according to the palace, and is due in the spring. The couple, officially the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, is currently on a 16-day tour of Australia and New Zealand, with their arrival in Sydney holding hands over the weekend. The couple is also scheduled to make stops in Fiji and the Kingdom of Tonga. The palace said it is not making any changes to the schedule, which include over 70 planned events. Uh, so, M- Markle's mother, Dora Rag- Doria Raglan, is excited about the news and looking forward to welcoming her first grandchild. According to the conference call with the palace officials, Raglan accompanied the couple to Australia. There is no comment on whether Markle's father, Thomas, who did not attend the couple's wedding on May 19th, was told of the pregnancy. That is where my reading of the article ends. And quick commentary. Pretty sure he's figured it out by now. Now, I believe there was a faux pas in the announcement because they announced it to the family at the wedding they just had uh, about a week ago of a royal couple, royal cousin, I should say. Uh, So essentially they let everybody know at somebody else's wedding, which, you know, may be rude, but she's Meghan Markle and he's Prince Harry. They can kind of do what they want to do. But it's basically baby royal fever, which is even bigger than uh, royal wedding fever, we take it, especially when our American princess is involved. Congratulations to the happy couple and hopefully we'll have a safe and successful birth. And um John's a great name for a baby. Just putting out there. I'm sure there's plenty of kings named John. John's an awesome name for a baby. One more time, just putting it out there. One of the stranger stories we got from the week we got from the BBC, or at least we got the headline we posted, was from the BBC. But it happened here in the States action California. Why the Brits are all into our weird stories I guess, I guess I may never know. Here's the headline. California student baked grandma's ashes into cookies. That's in quotes. Uh, this was posted on Wednesday, October the 17th. A bumpy response from the 7 story of 8.59%. Let me give you a few lines from the BBC as they covered us Americans. Police are investigating reports that a U.S. schoolgirl gave cookies containing her grandmother's ashes to classmates. She reportedly handed the baked goods to fellow students who were not aware of the contents. Authorities in California are said to have been alerted by students at the school, but the cookies have yet to be tested. The Da Vinci High School declined to comment on the story, but said those involved were, quote, remorseful, unquote. The supposedly ash-laden sugar cookies were handed out to nine students, police said, but they were unsure of how many students were involved in distributing them. One student told local news channel Fox 40 that a girl at the school told classmates that the cookies she had given them two weeks ago had contained her grandmother's ashes. Da Vinci High School principal and Tyler Millsap said there was, quote, no health risk to our campus or to any one of our students, unquote, in a letter sent to parents. Local Police Lieutenant Paul Doroshov told the CBS 13 channel the case was, quote, a weird one. Yeah, and add it in. There's more research going on to this thing. We're gonna leave this one as it is and let you take it on from that point right on. This one got a lot of response on the Facebook. Most of it saying that this sounded like the grossest thing they've ever heard of. Another big time Hollywood couple, at least big time in potential, because I'm not sure how big time they are, is calling it quits early. No real love or hate for either Ariana Grande or Pete Davidson, but the headline is simple. Ariada Grande and Pete Davidson split. This is from Sunday, October the 14th. This is a bumper response of 13.67% from the sixth story. And the story we posted from this one was from the news.com.au from Australian News Service. While we're pulling stories on Americans from Australian News Services, I don't know. Here we go. It actually came from TMZ. That's basically where they pulled the information. So let me read some lines from this news service, which basically sort of ape TMZ. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson's whirlwind romance is reportedly over. TMZ reports that the singer, 25, and her Saturday Night Live comedian fiance, 24, split over the weekend, four months after announcing their engagement. TMZ states that, quote, Both parties acknowledged that it simply was not the right time for their relation to take off, unquote, and that the pair, another quote, still have love for each other. In their own report, People confirms the split, quoting a Grande source, there you go. As saying, quote, it was way too much too soon. It's not shocking to anyone. Unquote. And this goes on into their dating life starting in May and all those things went over and just kind of the weirdness of the fact that someone who with a lot of talent married someone who doesn't seem to have much talent. They'd say it that way. Uh, but someone, a rising star like Ariana Grande, who, you know, you can debate that uh, going out with kind of a. Yeah, exactly. So the story is what it is. Pete Gron Pete Grande or Ariana Davison, or whatever I was going to say. The couple is no longer together. We can move on to the next celebrity crush couple that is going to pop up I'm sure within days from now. Headline for the number four story this week. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen dies of cancer at sixty-five. Posted this on Monday, October the fifteenth, bump a response of seventeen point zero nine percent from the five story. The story we got, or the link we got, was from CNBC. Here is some lines from that story. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen died from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma on Monday afternoon. Allen's Vulture Incorporated announced that he died in Seattle at age 65. Allen's sister, Jody, said he was, quote, a remarkable individual on every level, unquote. The longer quote, while most knew Paul Allen as a technologist and philanthropist, he For us, he was a much-loved brother and uncle, an exceptional friend. Paul's family and friends were blessed to experience his wit, warmth, his generosity, and deep concern, she said in a statement. For all the demands of his schedule, there was always time for family and friends. And this time of loss and grief for us and so many others, we are profoundly grateful for the care and concerns he demonstrated every day. Allen ranked among the world's wealthiest individuals as of Monday afternoon, because these things change, He was ranked 44th on the Forbes 2018 list of billionaires with an estimated net worth of more than $20 billion. Of course, Bar Allen was known for being a philanthropist, a word I can never say, philanthropist. Um, he also owned the NBA's Portland Trailblazer, owned the Seattle Seahawks f- from the NFL, had a big chunk of Seattle Sounders, a soccer team, and was doing his best to try to bring some sort of basketball back to Seattle. A lot of this, a lot of this work into Portland is because that's as close as you can get. But remember, the Supersonics, now the Oklahoma City Thunder, originated there, and he's been trying to get some work to get them back up there. Probably not going to happen. That's not a story for this one right here. Uh, But um, he disclosed uh, last month or so that he was receiving treatments for the disease. So it was not a surprise. The fact that he went so quickly as he started his treatment is a surprise in this. So our thoughts and prayers go out to, of course, the family and friends of Paul Allen, the people that he worked with and the people that he did so much for. He was a man who, despite being a billionaire, seemed to have a true heart for people uh, one that people we get cynical about, but he seemed to really have that heart for people that we want to see in our leaders in business and essentially in life. While a truly bizarre story, as you'll see from the headline and the headline only, that's all we're going to give and move on for this one. Uh, the um, nature of it is still very serious, so we're going to treat it. As serious as I can possibly do it, I'm just going to read the headline after giving the stats and move away from it. This was the highest rated Twitter story of the week in the number three spot. It gets a bumper response of 2.7% from the four story. As I said, we're going to read the headline and move on. We pulled this headline from the Daily Mail of, U- of Europe, of UK, but once again, it's them covering us here in America. Headline reads, Dennis Hoff, a brothel owner who was running for the Nevada State Legislature died in his sleep at one of his brothels after celebrating his 72nd birthday with porn star and Ron Jeremy, rapper Flavor Flav, and ex-sheriff Joe Alparo. I've read the headline. We are moving on. Coming in as the number two story for this week with the headline reading... And NYC goes entire weekend without a shooting for the first time in decades. New York Post put out this story Monday, October the 15th is the day that it was posted. This was the highest rated Facebook story of the week, by the way. So the story in the number one spot had enough of both readers to overtake all of it. Uh, But this is a bumper response of 0.53 percent. So not much response bump from the number three story. But wait till we get to number one. in Just a second. But this is the headline that we have for this one. NYC goes entire weekend out shooting for a first time in decades. I'll regret that. From the New York Post article, New York may be the city that never sleeps, but for once, it's not the sound of people getting shot that's keeping Big Apple residents awake. Not a single person was reported shot for all of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, marking the first city weekend free of shootings in at least a quarter century, officials said Monday. Quote, I really don't remember a weekend that no one was shot in the entire city, New York PD Chief of Department Terrence said. Uh, Monaghan, on the job since 1982, told The Post, quote, it's a different city. More from the story real quickly. This past weekend was the only Friday, Saturday, Sunday run without someone reportedly getting shot going back to at least 1993, since before even the department's 1995 adoption of the Comstat record keeping, according to NYPD. So there you go. They started keeping records of this back in 95. And when they're having the issues, this is probably the first time it happened since before they kept records. Sort of like the weather records where they say the hottest day in history, like, well, were you really there in in 019 or something like that? This is a good thing, not to be so, so glib about it. But this is a good thing for them. And Mayor de Blasio of New York is, of course, taking lots of credit for it. Whether he earns that credit or not is all debatable. But we're going to hope for more days like this, and maybe they can bottle this up and send it to Chicago, and they can figure out how to go through the same thing more often than not. The headline for the number one story for this week comes from the BBC. It doesn't cover the United States. It actually covers Portugal, and a very big, very serious story is there. The headline, Storm Leslie, Portugal hit by Hurricane force winds. Sunday, October the 14th was when this was posted. 27.75% jump from the two-story, a 103% jump from the 10-story. That's Walmart, Whole Foods, and Trader Joe's with the salad recall. And the almost irrelevant story this week listed at 116, bump response of 2,950. That many times more engaged than that one. Let's get to a few lines from this story. As we said, BBC News website is where we pulled it hurricane Forest winds have struck central and northern Portugal, leaving 300,000 homes without power. The remnants of Hurricane Leslie slept, swept in overnight on Saturday with winds gusting up to 176 kilo, kilometers per mile to hour. Sorry about that. 109 miles per hour. Civil defense officials said 27 people suffered minor injuries. With localized flooding, hundreds of trees uprooted and numbers of flights canceled. The storm, one of the most powerful to ever hit the country, is now passing over northern Spain. So quick thoughts on that. Of course, um, it's we've dealt with, in the last few weeks, a big hurricane, Michael, which is, I guess, I guess still uh, dealing some issues as a storm towards the northeast. And we, of course, always are talking about here, the storms coming up and tornadoes and things like that. It's uh, it's always the whole Thoughts and prayers goes out to people going out there, but they're dealing with a serious things that we, you know, sometimes we take for granted how quickly responses come up there. But then think that, you know, this is all a us thing, but it happens other places as well. About a thousand trees listed as uprooted by the hurricane winds across the country. And, of course, it went on to travel and do it some damage in some other places in Europe as well. Uh, we hope to get updates on how they're doing there, and if they want updates on what, how things are going here, hopefully we'll have some updates on things coming up along the lines of Michael Way and any other storm that hits our way. But with that, we are done with the top 10 so far for this week, or top 10, period. This is the stories that you thought were the ones most important to talk about, what wasn't exactly the breaking headline always on news that the Chirons have on the local, local and on the national news states. These are stories that... We posted between the lines, between the parts, as best as possible. You found them, you liked them, loved them, shared them, hated them, replied to them, responded to them, and bam, they came up there. So to make sure that you get in your votes for which ones are the best ones, again, coming up next week and beyond, follow us on Twitter, TH underscore conversation. Follow us on Facebook. This is the conversation. Make sure you set us so that we are active in your feed. You actually see us come in, look for us sometimes. And if you see a story you like, love, hate, like it, love it, hate it, share it, laugh at it, reply to it, give it some engagement. That way we know to plug it into the spreadsheet and the spreadsheet knows to add it into the numbers. Coming up in just a bit, we will have the housekeeping and, of course, we will talk about why the story on the journalist from Saudi Arabia who goes into an embassy and Denver comes out was one of the biggest stories and had so many implications across the nation here and the world in general didn't make it into the top 10. It wasn't the number one story. It's a pretty simple explanation. Then when we get to that story, it's in the top 15. We'll tell you about some of the iterations and some of the ways that we treated it this week in the stories you listed. Plus, we'll talk about the almost irrelevant story. We'll let you know what exactly it is. And we will have shout outs. shout outs. will be had. Yes, shout outs coming up in just a bit from the wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne. That's me, by the way. From ThisIsTheConversation.com, this is for the week ending October the 20th, 2018. I'm opening up the block of sponsorship with a different request today. It's still essentially sponsorship is still helping out. But it's a not-ad for any particular sponsor. You can still check out the link for sponsors or inside any banner ad that pops up at the website, thisconversation.com, on any time you visit there. Especially visit the sponsors there and see if there's someone you may love that may help you out. But today and for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do the NPR begging thing. I'm going to do the asking for contributions because this is a serious, even though sometimes it seems like I don't take this thing serious. This is a serious matter in this project. One of the reasons why the project got dropped was essentially funding, trying to get my business things going, get things working. This was not making enough to basically justify the effort for it. We found time and ways to make it justify things, but we also want to make sure you know that this is an actual real effort. And on top of that, the effort of getting news out, actual information, not something that is Either propaganda, straight up uh, press releases, or something that plays straight to the left or straight to the right, telling people exactly what they just want to hear all the time. Getting actual news stories that are relevant and, of course, important, but sometimes some things that just gets lost in the mix of things that are relevant and important but slanted to certain sides. And that's what we want to do with the conversation. We really want to have conversations with people, have people talk about what's going on out there from their point of view and make it feel like a safe space. So we're doing some tinkering and building with what's going on here. We're going to try to get a community going again. We know we tried it before. We'll do that as well. But this here is a direct ask and asking for funds. We're doing this because we want to keep this project going. We want to add some more people to help us flesh out some things that we were wow on fire for early on. But we can't do because the funds are limited, the time's limited, the scope is limited. So we're asking two things. We're asking one thing, really, but two ways. Go to this is the slash contribute. This is the conversation.com slash contribute. And there you'll find two donate buttons, two buttons, one for a one-time contribution. Give me anything that you want to give, and it will go straight to working on this thing here, and we'll use it directly for that. The other setting up for a $5 monthly contribution, something to be a supporter of this is the conversation. Now, more perks and more things will grow as we get this thing going. But right now, this is a simple ask. If we're offering you something of value, we're going to offer up you the chance to be a bigger part of it and help us get better and grow. If you are listening, thank you so much. If you cannot contribute and listening is the best you can do, keep listening and share what we're having with people of like minds or hopefully unlike minds who will actually able to have discussions and conversations. In the meantime, keep on looking out for more great things we're going to offer up as we can. And this is no joke, no lie. It's all based on what I can get out in certain periods of time. Sometimes we're on a stretch for time. Sometimes we're on a stretch for funds. But it's a stretch to get this thing going on. I got so many people who tell them, told me that they missed this when it was gone. And people said they're glad it is back. And I'm glad for that because I'm glad to do it. But it does take a little bit of a toll to other opportunities and other things. So in order to keep this thing going, we've got to make sure it's viable. So a little help is appreciated. If all you can do is listen and spread the word, that is awesome. If you want to pitch in a couple bucks, I will take the help. You can give either a one-time donation of anything you feel like it or set up for a $5 monthly contribution, sort of a subscription, NPR style, if you will. Go to com slash contribute. com slash contribute and help us out getting this thing going to where we know it can go and not just keeping it as it is. Ah, fantastic testimonies Thanks guys Absolutely genuine and real (laughs) And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well Go ahead and search for IMDB Journey You can find us on all your favourite podcast sites Including iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify So come along and join our journey Let's get to the shout-outs, shall we? Starting off on Facebook today, shout-outs going out to people who contributed inside the week, people who replied to things or shared things or like love things in certain new manners. For Facebook, we have Love for Kwame Abdu Bey, good friend there. I'm glad you're helping me out, because I'm always glad to help you out. Mal Slim, usual suspect. Derek Jones as well as usual suspect, my good friend Darren Parker in there. Charles Johnson, uh, Laneka Aaron, thank you so much for contributing. Good job, work you're doing, all the stuff out there. And my good friend, Jack Conrad. a lot of actual personal friends helping out today or this week on the Facebook. Going to Twitter, not so many personal friends, but a lot of folks that I love seeing contributi- contrib- contributions. That's a word I should know a little better. Uh, uh, excluding some usual suspects, AARP goddess, uh, Clifford Bain, uh, Julio Hernandez, Ph.D., OK, on that one in Boston News and Trippin and Fool and some new subscribers, new followers, including Andrea Jones. If you need someone to help you get your social media set, uh, look for her online. She has great information for you. and can probably do the thing you need to get your social media in line. Also, True Crime Queen uh, joining us now following. Thank you so much for that. Now, let's do a quick bit of housekeeping, because most of the actual housekeeping will be taken care of when we get into rounding out the top 15, 11 through 15 in just a bit. The biggest issue we had for this week was the story on Abdul uh, Perkoji, and I'm butchering it again because I tend to butcher the name, and I've heard it pronounced three or four different times. But that story, uh, as it came down, I'll give you the spoiler alert, it came through one headline in the 12 spot this week, but we posted something on the direct story pretty much every single day, and we posted a couple of things that were d- indirectly attached to it, so things that affected, um, let's say, more commerce stuff be about uh, Saudi Arabia than, per se, the actual case itself. Instead of going through and adding a whole bunch of stories, finding them, getting numbers there, making a super story to push it up, we figured there was enough diversity in the countdown. It's not like three or four of them popped up inside the top 15, only one pulled up in the 15 everything else. It's pretty uh, pretty competitive, but we had 116 stories to go through. So we went with the one, and I want to get to that. We'll talk about some other um, side note things about the actual story. But the big story of the week, essentially, Jamal Khashoggi, is um, not in the top 10. And we'll talk about where it is and sort of why it is when we get to that spot. Other than that, no really big harms or files for the most part. Uh, in the actual countdown, so let's go ahead and move on to the almost relevant story of the week. Donuts and police officers are a joke that's basically written for itself every single time. And yes, every time you think of police officers and donuts, you probably do snicker just a bit. But here's a story on donuts and police officers. That's an actual crime that turns into a hero, a hero story on its own. The headline is, please find stolen donut van, share treats with homeless. This was the almost relevant story for this week. This was story number 116. Uh, It got posted on October 17th. Here is a few lines from the story, the AP story we have. It was a lucky day for some Florida police officers who recovered a stolen van filled with Krispy Kreme donuts. Clearwater police posted a photo on Facebook of a group of officers standing in front of the van holding boxes of the tasty treats. The Tampa Bay Times reports the van was reported stolen Tuesday morning in Lake City, which is 193 miles north of Clearwater. The van, loaded with donuts, was spotted in Clearwater on Tuesday afternoon. The Facebook posting says the store manager donated the cargo to the officers. They saved some donuts to eat and handed out the rest to the area's homeless. Authorities are still looking for the van thief. So, there you go. Some donuts get... Given to the police, they end up giving most of them over to uh, some needy people, some homeless people who could use maybe not the sugar, but at least a definite meal. So that's a great story to have, and it's lucky that it turned up to be the least popular story, the least, or the least, the least um, engaged story, I should say, the almost irrelevant story for this week. Let's round out the top 15, going from 11 to 15, starting off with the headline, Elizabeth Warren releases DNA analysis supporting Native American ancestry plant claims. Yep, say that three times fast. October the 15th, the day we got it posted, and it was a big deal for about two and a half days. Uh, If you're not down with Elizabeth Warren, she has claimed Native American ancestry. And some people doubt it. Some people believe she used it for her advantage, and Donald Trump makes fun of it. Well, she released a DNA, DNA analysis along with a short documentary talking about how she is probably Native American, although the numbers are pretty, pretty slim to be honest. And of course, uh, they went through a lot of past employers, a lot of past uh, dealings. Uh, essentially, you know how she got into school, how she got her teaching gigs. Uh, she's a professor, and they basically said she was not hired by because of her Native American heritage or or, or lack of. She was the best person that was available when we hired her and it was proven pretty quickly from her work. So Elizabeth Warren puts out this DNA thing, a, a statement and a in a basically a, a public service announcement uh, documentary about what she did and who she is. And people believe this is essentially her thumbing her, her nose at Donald Trump and preparing for a run at President about two years from now. Number 12 story this week, of course, as we've said, it is dealing with uh, Jamal Shikogi. The statement that we put out, the the story that picked up was this one. Saudi's preparing to admit that journalist was killed, sources say. This particular headline was posted on Monday, October 15th. This headline from this story from CNN we have uh, was updated later in the day. It was updated probably a couple times. But this is um, listed as um, the new headline: Is Saudi is preparing to admit Jamal Ch- Khashoggi died during interrogation? Sources say. And of course, at this point in time, we know it being the 19th of October, the weekend ending the 20th, uh, we pretty much know that he was interrogated painfully uh, using um, um, hacksaws to basically cut him in the process, given some sort of weird tranquilizer, died in the process. The whole. Acts by accident, although when you're cutting off limbs, it's hard to think somebody's really going to live through those type of things. And then, of course, completely dismembered and taking out of the building in separate boxes. That's what we believe per reports. That's essentially what the Turkish people have in in audio form, we believe, just audio of the actual interrogation going on. Uh, there's a lot of dealings going back and forth, including President Donald Trump and Secretary of State um, Pompeo giving uh, the Saudis plenty of time to figure out what their answer is on a incident that happened about two weeks ago. Essentially, giving them time to clean up, cover up, do what they need to do with that one, and a lot of different, um, a lot of different economical things. There is a summit happening next week in in um, in Saudi Arabia. It's basically being called "Davos in the Desert." And as the news came by about the gruesome nature of What may or may not have happened, many of the business leaders around the world decided to pull out of it. Of course, many of the uh, countries are condemning it. We as a country, being Donald Trump, is not quite, although Congress and Congress people on both sides are kind of pushing some things. And um, so a lot of the people backed out of that. Very late, about a day or so ago, our Secretary of the Treasury decided he wasn't going and there's also a big deal, although I'm not sure exactly how it's going to be played out, where the WWE, another story we posted, they may lose about $16 million off the bat from a 10-year deal they have with Saudi Arabia to do pay-per-views there. They've already knocked out one about a year ago. This was their second one. This was a big one coming. And it's still on the schedule with some pretty big storyline matches to happen. They're still promoting the event. But they pull down the actual place and in, in time that's going to happen. Now, there is also some issue with Saudi Arabia as well, because at the last event, apparently, uh, they sold tickets for about $5 each in a huge stadium. So anybody who wanted to come could essentially get in for fairly cheap. And it's to stuffed the um, stadium and made a big deal. On uh, this one, they, uh, they announced a very big auditorium. And then later they downgraded to a smaller auditorium, uh, essentially as this thing was starting to, to bubble up. It wasn't quite as dire at the time, so it was looking more like a financial deal. But now it's looking more political, and the WWE apparently is going to pull out of the area, at least Saudi Arabia, for the next event, Crown Jewel. But they will have the event somewhere, and that's the big question mark, is somewhere. They're still promoting the event just not saying crown jewel in Saudi Arabia anymore. The headline for story 13 this week, Germany protests, tens of thousands march against far right. We posted this on Saturday the 13th, and this came from the BBC. I'll read you a few lines from this story that we had there. More than 100,000 people have been marching in the German capital, Berlin protests against xenophobia and the increasing influence of the far right. Right? rights groups organized a rally as marchers held placards reading indivisible and united under racism. The BBC's Jeremy Hill in Berlin says even the organizers seem surprised by the turnout. Support for the anti-immigration AFD party has risen in recent years. The Alternative for Germany entered parliament for the first time last year, becoming the biggest opposition party and expected to make a strong showing in elections in the southern state of Bavaria on Sundays. Marchers walked through central Berlin, rallying at the Brandenburg Gate. Many were defending human rights and tolerance, particularly of immigrants. Here's a quick quote. I'm worried that we are not there for the others, that we don't bother or care about loads of people who really need our help, said one demonstrator. So that's something that's there. And we're seeing a lot of protests here in our United States and looks like around the world. And, and that's a pretty big deal to have or marchers protesting intolerance in a place like Germany. If you want to go back a few years or, or a couple decades, if you will, they're not exactly known for being their hotbed of inclusiveness for um for different sorts of races and cultures. That being said, this is a long time away from then. Germany right now is one of the more open societies to um, refugees and people from other nations who are needing help, which is sort of uh, iconic and odd at the same time. But they are sort of leading the way, and I think they're making a play for who will be the next, quote-unquote, leader of the free world. Germany making a big push to be able to take care and take on everything as best as possible as the United States is moving closer and closer to trying to take care of as little as possible based on the current direction of our national policy. Trailblazing is where we're going for the next story. In the spot for 14 this week, here's the headline. Trubbl Black woman who had trailblazing navy career dies at 83. Tuesday, October 16th popped this one up and we're so glad this one made it into the countdown even if it's in the rounding out part. Ray Montague, a trailblazing black woman from Arkansas who revolutionized the way the US Navy designed ships has died. She was 83. Montague, who had a 33-year career in the Navy, developed a computer program that created rough drafts of ship specifications. She told the Arkansas Democrat Gazette in 2012 that the program allowed the Navy to cut the time it took to build a ship's draft design from two years to 18 hours and 26 minutes. The newspaper reports she died Wednesday at a hospital in Little Rock. Her son, David Montague, says his mother died of congestive heart failure. So there's a pretty, pretty, pretty cool thing. Uh, it goes on to talk about how her, how she um, fought discrimination through all Places And if you've recently watched the movie Hidden Figures, you'll find out that there were a whole lot of women behind a lot of the men doing big type things back then and a whole lot of African-American women doing a lot of things behind the men doing big things way back when. So many, so many historical people that you just don't know about in stories that get lost in the shuffle and get turned into footnotes, which luckily now as more people are becoming greater in their roles and more people looking more deeper into the history of things and looking for great stories, we're finding great stories. This is a great story that I had no idea about in my 16 years living in Little Rock. Uh, but this is one that unfortunately with the loss of Ray Montague, uh, we get a great story to tell to, um, to everyone, and a great story I have to tell to my daughter about being a trailblazer. Cause this lady essentially, uh, she should be in the dictionary next to that pic- what a picture next to that 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 word trailblazer in the dictionary, assuming we still do dictionaries because it is 2018. And we're wrapping up this week, rounding out the top 15 with the 15 story. That is a pretty quick and easy one, although it gets a bit more complicated on the business side and creative side for Marvel and their Netflix series. Although there's even more creative craziness in that one. The headline is, Iron Fist Cancelled at Netflix, posted on Friday, October the 12th, and as we said, Iron Fist was cancelled at Netflix. The Iron Fist, which is one of the four uh, originally planned ideas for Netflix in the Marvel TV series, uh, is now done. It's wrapped up a second season a couple weeks ago, you could have a chance to see it, and while a lot of fans were much happier with the outcome from season two, story-wise, with some of the actors it didn't play well enough to get a season three, at least ahead of time. Now there's a lot of issues that are in play on this one. Number one, the uh, not so great performance of the defenders super series that matched four leading characters from the four Marvel TV shows, main shows being daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and the iron fist. Uh, That was seen as kind of a, eh, uh, basically, yeah, eh, but it did do a couple things. Number one, It wrapped up and filled in a very large plot hole, which was actually a very large hole that was in the second series, second season of Daredevil. It, too, launched a new arc and new jumping point for many of the supporting characters, being Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, to have their roles while Daredevil is quote-unquote missing. Spoiler alert, Daredevil is quote-unquote missing. And number three, a new jumping point off for season three of Daredevil opening up in a few weeks or so that you'll get the chance to see what's going on there. So if you're not big into the Marvel stuff on Netflix, you've got a lot to catching up to do or a lot of spoiler alert reading to go on. Now, remember, they added in The Punisher as its own separate series and snuck it in there as a way because the character was so compelling and interesting from the season they put him in as a story arc in Daredevil. And also, there was rumors that because they canceled The Iron Fist, with the message that the Iron Fist is still alive in the universe, there will be other programs going along as well. If, Without giving any spoilers, some very interesting things happen at the end of the season. And of course, in the comic books, some of the characters have outside lives and adventures doing other things, including Luke Cage and Danny Rand as the Heroes for Hire. The fact that Jessica Jones is actually married to Luke Cage in the Comic book series, and of course, The Daughters of Dragon, which is a little bit of a side tier thing. But people who are into the lore of of those of those comics want to see The Daughters of Dragon, and they're hoping that that does occur as a new up series inside Netflix. Whether there is a fourth edition of the Defenders with four new Defenders, we'll also see as well. As you can tell, I'm geeking out about that because I am really geeked out into those series, but. I don't get a say in that one. I do get a slight say in what goes on here in this is Conversations wrap-up show because I produce it. But you actually produce the info. You tell me what to talk about. You tell me what not to talk about. And I stick to what I'm supposed to talk about. And that's what I did this week going from 10 to 1 and then from 11 to 15. And in between, we had 116, the almost irrelevant one. The one you said you not want to talk about. I talked about it anyway. But you get a chance to tell the world and tell me what to say by following us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. On Twitter, TH underscore Conversation. On Facebook, This Is A Conversation. That's where all the story arcs going through. Too many things popping through on Instagram, so we basically have the recaps there on that one. And, of course, the main website is thisisaconversation.com. Stop by the website and visit our sponsors. That helps things go on as well. Of course, we're also asking you to go to thisisaconversation.com slash contribute to help keep this thing going. Keep the lights on literally for this thing here. We also want you to react to what's going on via all those methods or write me an email at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. All other things, Jay Cleveland Payne, can be found at jclevelandpayne.net. And that's basically it. Share this podcast with other people, friends, allies, random strangers, even pets. Yes, I know you have accounts for your pets. I'm, I'm not going to judge. If you want to sign up your pet to listen to the podcast, I'm not saying a word. In the meantime, be back next week. Make sure you are keeping up with what's going on in the news. Make sure you're keeping up with what's going on in the feeds and listen to the podcast and find out exactly what you decided was the top stories for the week because you literally told us what the top stories of the week. And we'll talk about those next week in The Wrap-Up Show with Jake Lippin-Payne from Conversation.com.